When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Good morning and welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, And, of course, subscribe when you get the chance to our MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel whenever you get the chance to do so. Make sure to check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app because we're available to you pretty much everywhere on almost every platform, I would think, by this point. We're going to be back again tomorrow night at about 9.30 Eastern on social media and on YouTube. Chris will be joining the show because we're going to be previewing week 11. Week 11! It's almost here. But first, we got to talk about the primetime matchups. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Meter. And the the biggest one, I shouldn't say the biggest one, because both primetime matchups actually have a lot for us to dig into. But hello, hello. Welcome to the 2021 season, Mr. Kansas City Chiefs out there. They actually look like the Kansas City Chiefs for probably the first time all year. Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes again. 406 yards, five passing touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had two touchdowns, seven receptions, 83 yards. Travis Kelsey had over 100 yards, eight catches, 119 on 10 targets. I mean, it was it was scary. It was glorious. We were waiting and hoping that the Chiefs would find a way to turn around. Now, having said that, I'm not ready to say after one good game against the Raiders that the Kansas City Chiefs have definitively consistently from here on out turned it around and morphed back into the Kansas City Chief offense that we all know and love. It's one game compared to half a season worth. So it'd still be premature to say that. However, this certainly was a step in the right direction to that to happen. What changed? Well, what changed the things I've been harping on for pretty much this entire year that went back to bunch formations? I know this is impossible, but it felt like Tyreek Hill never lined up in the same position twice. They got back to motion. They got back to jet sweeps. They got back to Travis Kelsey doing the simple things like blocking and then putting himself out on the outlet as a safety blanket when there was nothing available down the field and making things very easy for Patrick Mahomes and giving him a built-in check down where Travis Kelsey now gets to be out in space because 
He was blocking, so nobody covered him. And now you have Travis Kelsey running down the middle of the field untouched. They got back to doing that. Something that they did, and it's not them getting back to, it's just something we haven't seen them do. They also checked down to the running back. Darrell Williams had nine receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown on nine targets in this game. Clyde Edward-Lair owners got to be looking at themselves like saying, hey, can you keep that going when he returns, which sounds like it's a good chance that's going to happen this week? Because that's the whole thing about Clyde Edward-Lair. His fantasy value or his expected fantasy value was on the idea this guy would actually get thrown the football. He's never been targeted nine times in a game. Maybe it does. Because this this was definitely a focus point on their offense this week. Clearly, it was Patrick Holmes. You have to stop trying to win the game on every single throw, which he did that. He didn't try to hit home runs every time he dropped back to pass. He dropped back and took what the defense gave him. Instead of trying to make all their drives three plays and touchdown, they went on long drives. They gashed the Raiders down the field. They set guys up. They got guys in space. He didn't feel like he had to win the game on every throw. Instead, just kept the drive alive. Got back to the basics. As a result, this Chiefs offense shows you, no, no, no. we're pretty talented if we just get back to the basics. It's that simple. Will that continue when Clyde Edwards-Lair comes back? Maybe. I hope so. I hope so for the Chiefs' sake. But here's the thing about Clyde Edwards-Lair. Darrell Williams has played, I would say, pretty well over these last few weeks. You know, despite the, the struggles of the offense of Kansas City, he's played pretty well. He's been very efficient. He's been involved in the passing game. He's been a better pass blocker than Clyde Edwards-Lair has been. I don't see this being a workhorse role for Clyde Edwards-Lair when he comes back, if it is this week. I don't see that happening. I think you're going to have... I don't know if it's going to quite be a 1A, 1B punch where it's, you know, maybe 55, 45 between the two. I don't know if it's going to quite be that. Maybe the first week back for Clyde Edwards-Lair. But after that, I don't know if that's going to be the expected rotation moving forward. But I don't think it's going to be any more significant than 60-40 between CEH and Darrell Williams. So Williams still needs to be owned. If you've owned Williams and you're not the Clyde Edwards-Lair owner, don't drop him. First of all, you got to see him come back. But you need to see what the actual rotation between these two are going to be. They could potentially both be flex plays, especially if the Chiefs get back to or start throwing to the running backs in the backfield. But there's no real definitive answer here on what the value of Clyde Edwards-Alaire is when he comes back, even with this excitement of a Chiefs team checking down the ball. Because I don't think the Rell Williams goes away, especially in the red zone. I don't think that changes. I think the Rell Williams is still going to be the main red zone carry back. So that's something we're going to have to watch and wait and see. I think they're both starting the first week back for CH. I think they're both in the high-end RB3 territory, not in the RB2. I think you're talking about them more as spot starters in your lineups or flex plays until we see some kind of clarity. But that's my only, you know, my only negative Nancy, of course, when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. Just nothing but great things all the way around. Just now we're just kind of left with, all right, are you going to do this consistently? Is this where your offense is now going to be? Part of it, I think, has to go to the defense, right? We've been so focused on the woes of the offense, especially this show being a fantasy football show, that we haven't really talked about the fact that the defense has not been the, you know, push pillows that they've been in the first part of the year where you could do whatever you wanted to the Kansas City Chiefs defense and they couldn't stop anything. Now, I know it was Aaron Rodgers. or no, I know it was Jordan Love and not Aaron Rodgers because the Packers, but they still held them to seven points. I know it was the Giants who were completely banged up at the wide receiver position, but they held them to 17. So there's been reasons to think that the Chiefs offense is beginning better. This was probably their best test. The Raiders' offense, while being inconsistent this year, has had times where they've been pretty hot and pretty good. And they didn't weren't, you know, 
They didn't have Henry Ruggs. They didn't have the deep threat yet. Deshaun Jackson just got to town. But for the most part, that offense was pretty much intact for what it is, and they weren't able to have much success in any facet of the game. So my point is more this. If the Chiefs defense can play a little bit better, I don't expect them to be a shutdown or world beaters, and I'm not looking at them as a defense that I'm afraid to play, certainly. I, I want my fantasy stars to play against this Chiefs defense more times than not. But if they can at least be a bit more competent, then maybe this can continue for the offense, where Mahomes truly doesn't feel like he has to win the game on every single throw as a result. And therefore does stick to the basics and does stick to the longer drives. And that allows this team to be its true self. Maybe it does. On the Raiders side of the ball, there's not much to break. This was a bad game. It was a bad game for everybody. Disappointing, yeah, because you had Derek Carr as a streaming quarterback. He's 25 or 35, 261 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. Didn't kill you, but it wasn't performance you were looking for. Josh Jacobs, I mean, this game got out of hand early. And he only had seven carries in this game for 16 yards. Didn't score. I guess the one silver lining for Josh Jacobs is that he continues this five-target pace, this trend that he's been on. And that's why I talked about heading into last week. It was like, I want to see if he can continue getting five targets a game. If he does, I do think we can start to talk about him as somebody entering, you know, high in RB2, low in RB1 territory. He's going to be involved in the passing game. Now, obviously, he needs to put up better stats than he did in this game as far as rushing the football, and most of the time he will, and he's always going to be a threat to score a touchdown. I just like the fact that he's still staying involved in the passing game. And Kenya Drake, I, he had two catches for 15 yards, three targets in a game which they're getting blown out. Kenya Drake, to me, is more of a handcuff than he is a flex play on his own. And it's not just because the Raiders had a bad team here. It's the usage. Again, Jacobs being more involved in the pass game, there's no definitive cut role for Kenyon Drake other than just being the second back to a Josh Jacobs. As far as the passing game goes, Hunter Renfro continues to be the Raiders wide receiver you want to own and play. Seven receptions, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Now, his fantasy value has been boosted the past few weeks because he's been finding the red zone. I don't expect a guy, especially of his stature, for that to really continue. But if you're playing full-point PPR leagues, I think he's a wide receiver three pretty consistently because of the volume that he has been seeing. And that's I don't think that's going away. Just now with Henry Ruggs out of the mix. Disappointing, of course. Darren Waller, again. Four catches, 24 yards on seven targets. But you still have to play him as a top-end tight end. And I can't say you sell him high. I can't necessarily say you buy him low either because he's been so disappointing on a pretty consistent basis so far this season. It depends on what you have at tight end or what could be available to you. You sell Darren Waller high, you're still selling off a top three tight end. It's so hard to find value there. It's so hard to find stability there. Again, it goes back to, I. you'd have to blow my socks off for me to trade away Darren Waller at this point even with the disappointing performance, even with him not living up to where you drafted him to be. That's just the sad state of tight ends. Like Even a, a disappointing Darren Waller, you still can't really move him because it still wouldn't actually be worth it for you to do so. Just He's better than this. Better games could be ahead. He's still seeing a good amount of volume. It's just been disappointing. It just hasn't been getting done. I know Brian Edwards had a nice game here, but again, just four targets for a guy who continues to play the most out of all the wide receivers. So I'm not worried about with Brian Edwards. I think the only other thing to mention here, Deshaun Jackson gets one catch for 38 yards. He barely played. He had nine snaps in this game. So we got to see Deshaun Jackson is still somebody who's going to be on my radar because he might play a little bit more, a little bit more here and there. But until that comes starts happening, I don't think you have to go falling over yourself to get it to Sean Jackson or anything like that. Just kind of see if he starts to up his snaps a little bit. It, the one thing that was very obvious in this game was that the lack of a deep threat really affected this Raiders offense where the Chiefs defense, was, they were able to squeeze them. And they're not going to be the only defense that's going to have the ability to squeeze them if they can't establish some sort of deep threat. Now, I would think they would maybe utilize Darren Waller more so in the seams to kind of use that and, and, and 
that would make sense to me. That hasn't really been the case. They keep using him in this dink and dunk facet, which blows my mind sometimes. But if Deshaun Jackson can play a little bit more without getting hurt, and I know it's a big if, but if he can do that and reestablish a deep threat, then this offense can get back to attacking all three levels of the field, and we can get back to them taking advantages of defenses like the Chiefs for fantasy football purposes. So I do think there is a need for Deshaun to play more and be a more focal point of the offense, which is why he's on my radar. It's why he's interesting to me. But nothing else to really take out of this game. So here's what I want to do. I want to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the Monday night game. And don't worry, we still have the waiver wire report for you guys at the end of the show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in MD Nation to the program. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show, And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel when you get the chance to do so. We're always going live there as well. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the primetime recaps along with the waiver wire report in today's episode. We already talked about the Sunday night game. Now let's get into the surprising, the shocking Monday night game. How shocking is it though? Because the Rams, uh, they looked pretty similar against the Titans the way they did against the 49ers yesterday. And yeah, it's surprising because we know how good the Rams team really is. We do. We know how good the Rams are. Yes, they lost Robert Woods heading into this matchup. But, whew, they just got came out, they just got punched in the mouth. I mean, that's basically what happened. The 49ers were able to get two turnovers in the first quarter. One was a pick six. The other one wound up jump-starting a long San Francisco 49ers scoring drive. And they're up 14-0 by the end of the first quarter. And at that point, the 49ers were then, they were able to play their game. They were able to run. They were able to rely on their defensive line for pass rush because the Rams became one-dimensional at that point. And it was just a game script that really threw the Rams for a loop because they were able to jump out so strong in the beginning on and they were able to control the game the rest of the way. The Rams are better than this. And you know what? Frankly, the bye week may not be coming at a better time for the Rams for a few reasons. One, maybe it helps you kind of recollect yourself after a losing streak here heading into the bye week for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. It allows you to get an extra week in for OBJ to learn the playbook because now you need him for a pivotal role now that you're not going to have Robert Woods. Like I said, just overall getting back on track and getting healthier. So this bye week might be coming at the perfect time for the Los Angeles Rams. Stafford was disappointing, 26-41, 243 yards, touchdown, two interceptions. However... Stafford is still going to be a, I would say, top, I was going to say top 10, but honestly, he's probably more of a top eight quarterback for me on a week-to-week basis moving forward. I'm not coming off of Matthew Stafford as a must-play QB1 just because it's been a bit disappointing over the past few weeks. Last time I checked, you still got Sean McVay. You still got a lot of weapons. One of the weapons being Cooper Cup. So 
with Cooper Cup, at least it's good to know that even in a game like this where the Rams only put up 10 points and got completely knocked down, he still managed to get 11 receptions for 122 yards and 13 targets. The only thing he didn't do was score. So Cooper Cup still maintaining his wide receiver one pace for the year. And again, that you know, Robert Woods being injured, the addition of OBJ does now and now it doesn't pose a threat of taking away targets from Cooper Cup like it might have before we found out Robert Woods tore his ACL. So I think I threw as long as he's able to stay healthy, I truly think Cooper Cup is on his way and will be the wide receiver one by the end of the year. Because even in games like this, he has a tremendous floor. His his floor is like 100 yards or 93 yards. It's insane. And better days are ahead for the Rams. Better days are ahead for the Rams offense in general. Van Jefferson, he did play as the number two receiver, as we would expect him to in this game. Seven targets, three catches, 54 yards. That part probably a little bit more disappointing, hoping for a bigger stat line with the extra added volume in this game. But again, the Rams offense in general just looked completely out of sync all game long. Tyler Higby wound up a touchdown on this one. Five targets, three catches, 20 yards. He's We've established he's a mid-level tight end too. The volume's been there. The process, the usage has been there. The results haven't been. Of course, results come in this game. There's not much you can take away from that. So Higby's still a streaming option that you can go to as a mid-level tight end too when they come back off their bye week. But he's still not a must-play. Because as OBJ gets more involved into the offense, it'll go back to what it was. When you have Van Jefferson, OBJ, you'll still have the three receivers. Higby might get targets. He's going to play all the time. But obviously, the results of production is just not consistently going to be there. And OBJ himself, before we move on, OBJ himself didn't play a ton in this game. He had 15 snaps, 11 routes run. That was by far the least of the wide receivers to be expected. He just got there a few days ago. That's why I didn't really, I didn't really understand why people were expecting decent, you know, fantasy numbers out of OBJ. Like he just got there now coming out of the bye week Do I expect him to be more involved? Yes. And you know, if you're going to ask me the question, you know, Dan, who's it going to be? You'd rather have OBJ or Van Jefferson rest of the way. I think that's tough to decide because the, honestly, I think Van Jefferson fits the Robert Woods role in this offense better than OBJ does. I think OBJ fits more what Van Jefferson was doing, which was being that third targeted receiver, taking more deep shots to him. That's kind of the role he was playing. He was trying to, you know, be the more of the deep down guy because Woods and Cup were, you know, invested in their roles. But I think Van Jefferson fits more what they were getting out of Robert Woods. And OBJ, maybe he's more of the third targeted guy. Maybe he's more of the deep shot, big play guy. That's that's what I think logically fits more. Now, just because I think logically that fits better with what they do on offense doesn't mean that's exactly what's going to happen. So after the bye week, we're going to get more clarification. We're going to watch that closely. Do I think Van Jefferson and OBJ can both be plays, can both be fantasy plays? I do. This offense has enough volume, enough scoring potential that I do think you can look at both of them as wide receiver three flex options until we get some more clarity on which one's going to be playing ahead of the other on a more consistent basis. But the only one you know for sure, of course, is Cooper Cup. On the 49er side of the ball, I guess Debo Samuel is 100% healthy. Because <laughs> he looked pretty good. He looked back to being like Debo Samuel himself in this game. Five receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown, five targets, and tacked on a rushing touchdown in this game. Got back to utilizing him all over the field played more towards his normal snap count in this one. And the good news, you know, while Brandon Ayuk wasn't good from a fantasy standpoint, he still got the playing time you'd expect. In fact, he played more than Debo Samuel. At 61 snaps, Debo Samuel was 49 because he was out there blocking more. The routes run were about even, 20 to 19. But the playing time was there. He played clearly and definitively as number two receiver. So while maybe the production overall wasn't there in this game, three catches, 26 yards on four targets, I still think Brand IU can be considered a wide receiver three more times not moving forward. The 49ers got back to their identity on offense, which is, you know, 
Debo Samuel, George Kittle, utilizing Brian Ayuk. And this is probably the healthiest we've seen their offense be all season long. I don't think you can look at this game and say, oh, well, all of a sudden we got a, you know, a fantasy juggernaut on our hands. We have to keep in mind here, the turnovers really set them up at the beginning of this game. But you like what you saw, and you like that the guys that you need to be featured, they were featured. And I do think they're all fantasy relevant. George Kittle, of course, five catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. With the way Darren Waller's playing, George Kittle could be on his way to establishing himself as the number two tight end overall, second to only Travis Kelsey the rest of the way, too. Because they've been getting him more involved, especially in the red zone, which is the big factor for George Kittle. Elijah Mitchell had 27 carries in this game, 91 yards. So really kind of a disappointing fantasy day when he gets that kind of volume. But still, you'll take it. Jeff Wilson got more involved today with Michael Hasty out. He had 10 carries, 28 yards. The only running back who was targeted at all was Kyle Juszczyk. But again, game scripts here, a little bit different. They just stuck to the running game. That was it. Not that we thought Elijah Mitchell wouldn't be the starter over Jeff Wilson or or play you know significantly more than him. But it was just kind of solidified that Mitchell's the guy and Jeff Wilson's still kind of working his way back and still more of a handcuff than he is, you know, a potential RB3 who's splitting work with Elijah Mitchell here. He had 10 carries, so Mitchell's 27. So you feel good about that moving forward. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jimmy Garoppolo is efficient. 15 of 19, 182 yards, two touchdowns. I figure it's worth mentioning him still at least because, well, He's actually been a fantasy juggernaut at the quarterback position over the past couple of weeks. If their offense is able to play like this and they have all of their healthy weapons back, I do think he's going to be creeping back into that streaming ter- quarterback territory more so than not. And because they won this game, well, that puts off any Trey Lance appearance, at least for another week anyway. So something to kind of keep in mind there. That does it for the recaps of week 10. Let's take one more break. When we come back on the other side, we got the waiver wire report. It's time to look ahead to week 11. It's time to look ahead to your playoff races, and it's time to keep getting better on our way to an empty nation championship. So everybody stay tuned on the empties fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code BellyUpFantasy at Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in MD Nation to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show. And of course, always on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere you like to go for your favorite podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just finished recapping the primetime matchups. And now it is time to look ahead for the waiver wire report for week 11. 
oh, I can taste it. We're getting so close to those championship weeks, so close to those playoff weeks. is make or break a time for a lot of people here. A lot of you, your playoffs start now. You got to go 4-0, and 3-1 and to have a legitimate chance to make the postseason in your leagues. And there's decisions you have to make. What might be best for you in the long term might not give you the best opportunity to make the playoffs now. If you're if you're sitting around 500, I talked about Aaron Jones in yesterday's show where I said, hey, you know what? If your team is sitting around 500 and your playoff race basically begins now for you, you might need to think about trading a guy like that because losing one game could knock you out of contention. You have to look at your team and be honest with yourself and make decisions of that caliber. Now, this waiver wire report in particular is not is not exciting. It's not. There's a lot of guys on here are for teams looking to consolidate heading into your postseason matchups, getting ready for the long term. And there's also guys here that could be spot starts for you. There's nobody who's going to really change your lineup in any capacity, at least not in a very significant way for more than a week or or have the potential to be a golden ticket down the road. So it's not exciting from that standpoint, but I do have a good amount of names to get through. So let's go ahead and dive into this thing. Now, remember, if you're new to joining the show, I, I welcome you in. But what we do is we take the average of all the major platforms, ESPN, Yahoo, and uh, NFL, average them out all together. So we get you the the majority of guys who are less than 50% owned and available. And I don't put these in any particular order. So to start off with the quarterbacks, Tua Tagovailoa on my list, been on my list quite a bit over the past month here. Thirty six percent owned on average. They got a nice matchup coming up here. The defense is playing a lot better. He looked pretty solid when he had to play the second half against the Baltimore Ravens last week. This is a team that remember they can't run the football, or even if they can, they just don't do it very often. This is very much a pass first team. He's got a nice matchup coming up here this week against the New York Jets, so you'll like that. So Tua Tagovailoa will be a nice streaming option for me this week. Again, when it comes to the quarterbacks, I'm not going to spend priorities. I'm not going to spend fab dollars. You can find these guys. You can replace these guys, whatever you need to do. But if my waiver is clear, I need a spot starter this week. Tua Tagovailoa, if he's available, is the guy who's going to be probably amongst the top of my list. But he's still be behind Cam Newton. Now, Cam Newton, as you would figure, is, is widely available. He won't be after this week. And if you're wondering, well, how badly should I go after Cam? Well, if you've been streaming quarterback this week, or if you have a quarterback who is a, you know, a borderline top 12 guy, a borderline QB1, then you should be picking up Cam Newton. I made the point in yesterday's show for this one. I said, look, if you were one of the people that picking up Taysom Hill in anticipation that you thought he would be the starter over Trevor Simeon because of what he could give you from a fantasy perspective purely on his legs, anything he gave you through the air is just bonus points. It's purely what he could give you on the ground because of his touchdown and rushing ability. Well, then you have to look at Cam Newton the same way. If we were going to rank Taysom Hill as a top 10 quarterback, we're going to have to rank Cam Newton when, as soon as he officially becomes a starter, which I suspect to be this week maybe even by the end of today. He has to be a top 10 consideration because of the rushing touchdown upside, just the rushing in general that he has overall. And given how volatile the quarterback position has been this season, I think you got to take a nice, strong look at Cam. So in Cam's case, while I normally don't like to spend resources on a quarterback, and I wouldn't spend a number one priority or anything like that, but if I'm in the mid-range of my league, and quarterback's been the one weakness, really, of my team, and I'm getting ready to make a postseason run, Cam might be worth it. If I have fab dollars, and I'm a streaming quarterback, and Cam could maybe solidify the position for me, I think I'd think about going 10%. I wouldn't go any higher than that. I don't think you'd have to. But I would actually think about, he's the one quarterback I actually would think about spending some resources on. Justin Fields is my other quarterback. He's at 18%. I wouldn't spend any resources on him, and I wouldn't even necessarily pick him up to play him this week to play in the Baltimore Ravens. I want to pick him up and see, can he carry on coming out of the bye 
the momentum he built up, especially at the end of that Pittsburgh game on Monday Night Football from a couple of weeks ago. If he can, then Fields may be on his way to being the fantasy quarterback we were hoping he would be, which is you know having that nice rushing floor and be able to do enough in the passing game to make him a decent fantasy asset, if nothing else. We got to see if that can be the case. I don't know definitively that's going to be the case. We want to see if that can be the case when it comes to Justin Fields. So that's who I'm also interested in from quarterbacks. Now we get to the running backs. And usually, you know, I work my way from top to bottom as far as percentages owned. So these aren't in the order in which I would pick these guys up or anything like that. And we'll talk about that as we go through. But Chuba Hubbard just dipped down below the 49% mark. I don't know why so many people were dropping him. Chris McCaffrey's first week back. We've seen McCaffrey time and time again get setbacks, especially when it comes to these soft tissue injuries. Now, if you want to make the argument, well, Amir Abdullah is more involved, sure. But Chuba Hubbard's still going to be the running back I'm going to want to own. He's still going to be the majority ball carrier if McCaffrey does wind up suffering a setback and has to sit again. Now, while he technically did not have a setback in this game, he was definitely dealing with some tightness. So the risk of re-injury, in my mind, is still very much there. And if you're the McCaffrey owner and you see Hubbard become available on the waiver wire, I think you need to pick him up. Same thing goes with Cleo Herbert. Now, David Montgomery is not quite dealing with the same type of issue of McCaffrey is, but we saw how good Cleo Herbert can be. Again, we're in playoff races. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. The last thing you want to have happen is your top running back go down and you're left hanging because you didn't bother to pick up the handcuff off the waiver wire, and then now somebody else gets a hold of him and totally sinks your season as a result. If, if nothing else, the big theme of this season should be handcuffs have become incredibly important because these starting running backs are not staying healthy. So if these handcuffs are widely available to you on the waiver wire, you've got to pick them up. Not only are there golden tickets for those of you who might be in prime position to make the playoffs already as it is anyway, and you want to take a golden ticket down the road in case something happens. But if you have these players, you can't get caught left out to dry. It feels like almost every big-time starting running back has missed at least some time this year, and their backup has been an incredible fantasy asset. Think about it. McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara now. All of them. All of them. The only ones we have is Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor. Outside of that, everyone has missed at least a little bit of time where the handcuff became valuable. So the same thing goes for Jamal Williams. The same lineup thinking he's 46% owned. I know he hasn't actually been playing, but now he had the injury to Jamar Jefferson. They keep not putting him on the IR, so it makes me think Jamal Williams at least has a chance to come back any given one of these weeks. He's still ultimately the handcuff if anything were to happen to DeAndre Swift. Long-term, Alexander Madison, 40% owned. He's out there now. Alex Collins, we have no idea when Chris Carson's actually coming back. The fact that Alex Collins is only 33% owned is nuts to me. I know it hasn't been pretty for Seattle's offense in general. I get that part of it. He's still a starting running back. Now, these are all guys, these handcuffs, I'm not going to spend any you know tremendous amount of resources on. And the fact that they're out there and so many of them are available, I don't think you have to because you could take, especially if you're in a position where you're taking golden tickets on these guys, pick them up if you had the roster space to do so. Sony Michelle, 27% owned. We saw Darrell Henderson, he came back at the game, but he got nicked up a little bit last night. He's one of he's a very high-value handcuff. If anything happens to Henderson, it's the Sony Michelle show on a good offense. I know we're heading into the bye week, but still, if you're a Henderson owner, I'm not going to let him go to the wayside. I'll pick him up while I can get him for free because he is going into the bye week. He's 27% owned. Ramondre Stevenson, now I suspect that his share will go up. 29% owned on average right now. And again, I highly question Damien Harris being able to pass concussion protocol in time for the Thursday night game. So he might have a nice smash spot here against the Atlanta Falcons where he gets to be the lead back yet again. He is going to be the number one pickup for me if he's available for you in your leagues. The number two will be the guy across across the ball from him, Wayne Gallman. Mike Davis, just the guy. 
Cordero Patterson, I guess they're holding out some hope that maybe he'll be able to go in this game. I still don't see it in a Thursday matchup coming off a high ankle sprain, mild or not. So I do think Wayne Gall will be the guy. He'd be my number two pickup if you need. If you're looking for spot starts of the week, it's Ramondre Stevenson, and then it'd be Wayne Gallman for me. Carlos Hyde's another one of those handcuffs that we talked about. And look, Dr. Foreman, he's widely available. Dr. Foreman is widely available. He did have the most carries this past week. I wouldn't spend anything on him. I'm not super excited about Tennessee running back at the moment until there's some clarity that shakes out from this thing. But Dr. Foreman, if Adrian Peterson's going to be more than 50% owned, Dr. Foreman needs to be more than 50% owned. Jordan Howard is the interesting one to me. Now, he's 38% owned on average, so he's actually available to you in quite a few leagues. And I think a large part is that people know Miles Sanders is coming back, so how much do you want to spend on the guy? He's been pretty good. He's been pretty effective. I really, truly think that Miles Sanders comes back and finds himself in a one-two punch committee, a thunder and lightning committee, if you will, with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders for the Eagle team that is now committing to the run game. I think Boston Scott goes away. I think Kenneth Gainwell goes away. Miles Sanders kind of steps into their roles combined. But I think Jordan Howard keeps his. I think he keeps short down and distance. I think he keeps the goal line role. I think he'll be involved. I think he'll get 40 to 45% of the carries to Miles Sanders. So I think he's somebody who you have to kind of pick up because of Sanders' injury history. He's kind of a valuable handcuff. We've seen how good he's been here. And I, I know he's not getting all the work, but he's being efficient. He's got a potential to score. He's an RB3. So at 38%, I think this, I don't think this goes, goes away. Excuse me. I don't think this goes away for him. Pretty much does it for the running backs. So a long list, but again, guys, other than Ramondre Stevenson and Wayne Gallman, not guys I expect to make a huge difference. So let's talk about these wide receivers. First up, we got Darnell Mooney, 46% owned. Again, you're picking up Justin Fields, picking up Darnell Mooney. We got to actually see where Al Robinson is with his hamstring injury coming out of the bye week. If he's going to miss time, then you have Darnell Mooney as the number one targeted guy who already had the best rapport with Justin Fields to begin with anyway. Even if they're only throwing the ball 20 times a game, those 20 attempts still got to go somewhere. Most of them would probably be headed towards Darnell Mooney who has big play capability. Wouldn't spend anything on him. Not even a priority. These wide receivers, they're, they're especially the ones I'm going to name on this list, they're all in the same territory. Where I'm like, look, I'm going to take whichever one I can get for free after they clear waivers. There's really... There's no real reason to go strongly after any single one of them. So that continues with Sterling Shepard. And I'll throw Kadarius Tony in there too. Sterling Shepard, 49% on Kadarius Tony, 43% on. I was actually kind of surprised to see Kadarius Tony was more available than Shepard was. I said this once, I'll say this again. The only wide receiver of the Giants I have any interest in is the slot receiver, whoever that winds up being. I'm not 100% sure who's going to wind up being, but it's whoever that winds up being. It's the slot receiver of the Giants. That's who I want. And in this case, that is Kadarius. That is Sterling Shepard if he's out there and healthy. If it's not Shepard, then it's Kadarius Tony. And who knows? Maybe Tony overtakes him. I don't think that's going to wind up being the case. I think if anything, Tony will wind up playing in a Darius Slayton role if everybody's healthy. So that's why I think Shepard will still be the slot receiver, which is why I'd rather have Shepard than Gadarius Tony here if you're looking to pick up one of the giant wide receivers off the waiver wire. But there is a situation where we need to see some clarity and see how this thing shakes out. That's why I think they're both worth a stash play, a kind of wait-and-see approach when it comes to those two as far as who's healthy and playing. Another wait-and-see is Will Fuller. It's sounding like he's progressing. He may only be a week or two away. Brian Flores staying strong on he's coming back. And because they just had to put Devontae Parker on the IR, short-term IR or not, I think Will Fuller actually might be back before Parker is, and he would step into a situation where outside of Waddle and Gusecki, he might actually see a decent amount of targets on a team that's throwing the ball a ton. So Will Fuller at 35% owned becomes an interesting stash play. Same with T.Y. Hilton. Like I said, he finally got through his first game fully healthy. He's 27% owned on average. He has many targets as Michael Pittman did 
Carson Wentz wants to be able to go deep. He just hasn't had that person that he could do that with. T.Y. Hill will be the closest thing that he will have. So I think big plays are in his future, especially as they continue to take on the AFC South, which is, you know, great matchups all across the board. So T.Y. Hill, I think, is a speculative ad as well. Another one, Jamal Agnew. I cannot believe this guy is only 9% owned. People were going gaga over LaVisca Chenault when DJ Chark went down, thinking LaVisca Chenault now is going to get this extra volume. We weren't counting on Chenault being completely taken out of his role. But Jamal Agnew is the one who got put into that role. And while it's not super fantastic, and I'm not saying he's a must-start play, he's definitely worth it them being more than 9% owned on average. That's for sure. He's been pretty consistently involved every single week. Jamal Agnew is a nice little pickup here, in my opinion. Deshaun Jackson, now he falls under this super deep speculative ad, I would say more so than even a a T.Y. Hilton or, you know, all the other guys that we talked about there in that kind of similar territory. But we got to wait and see how many snaps he's going to play. Is he ever going to be, you know, is he going to overtake Zay Jones as the starting third receiver on that team? It remains to be seen. I think there's a decent possibility it does because they need, as we talked about earlier in the show, they need that deep field threat. That's clear. So if he's able to stay healthy and get himself immersed into this offense, I think there is a pathway for Deshaun Jackson to be playing, you know, amongst the third most of the wide receivers at the very least as far as snap count and routes run goes. And he still has the big playability. I mean, he shows he's still fast. That's the one thing you got to give Deshaun. He is showing he is still fast and still can win the ball deep. It's just going to be a matter of, can he play on a consistent enough level that you could actually have any confidence in playing him? Remains to be the question. So that does it for my wide receivers. Now let's move into my tight ends. I suspect this would be the last week for Pat Freermuth to be under 50%. Oh, he's at 47. Let's get him over, MD Nation. I don't care that Eric Ebron is back. As long as there's no Chase Claypool, he is number one red zone target. He's better than Eric Ebron. He's the future over Eric Ebron. There's a rapport with him and Ben. And this is a team that's going to play a lot more two tight end sets in general. So just because Eric Ebron's running routes doesn't mean Pat Freermuth isn't. So I think he's somebody who is going to be hovering around that top 12 pretty much every single week. Pick him up. Dying for tight ends, pick him up. Same thing goes with Dan Arnold. 28% owned. Another guy who's getting just he's just getting consistent volume on a pass-first offensive team that more times than not has to come back from behind. So get Dan Arnold in there. He's a nice little pickup and stash play. Tyler Conklin. Now, I have Tyler Conklin behind a Pat Freermuth, behind a Dan Arnold, because he doesn't see the same type of consistent volume that they do. He's not as far up the pecking order from pass catchers as they are on their own teams. But he has had, like I said, six or seven targets on a pretty consistent basis. Five targets this past week equal two touchdowns. He's He's the quintessential streaming tight end. So he's an option for you this week, too. And then Ricky Seals-Jones. A lot of people aren't going to be on him. If you were to miss out on all three of these tight ends and you didn't want to pay anything in resources, which I wouldn't want to for any of them anyway. I still think Logan Thomas, I really think Logan Thomas is not going to play. I think even though Ricky Seals-Jones is dealing with his own injury right now, I still think he has a better shot to play in week 11 than Logan Thomas does. Now, maybe that doesn't want to be in the case. And we'll keep you up to date on social media at BillyUpMDFF show with our player news notifications. But my point more so is this. If if Seals Jones plays and Logan Thomas is out, I think I think you're still playing Seals Jones as a top 12 tight end, even coming off the hip injury. And he'll be completely free at 15% owned. And all with an injury this week, too. Last but not least, and I don't normally do this. I don't normally talk about defenses. And that's something that I've thought about in the past, if I should do more of or not. But frankly, unless it's super relevant, I don't really see the point. I rank them. You can check out BillyUpFantasySports.com. I rank them every single week. So if you really need to know, you know, what guys I'm favoring, you can check it out there because I do rank them. I rank kickers too. But this week, I felt like I had to put this out there. The Dolphins defense is only 15% owned on average. They're playing the New York Jets. Brian Flores has taken over the play calling. So they're back to blitzing. They're back to getting turnovers. And I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Mike White. I don't care if it's Zach Wilson. I don't care if it's Joe Flacco. 
you want a defense as playing like the Dolphins defense is right now against the New York Jets in the worst way because you have ample opportunity for turnovers, possibly a defensive touchdown, sacks, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. So I rarely do this, but this is such a smash spot for the Dolphins defense this week that I felt like I had to make sure I mentioned them as a top streaming option on the week that could really actually help you. And like I said, you're in playoff races right now. You have to get every advantage you possibly can at every position, even ones you wouldn't normally spend that much time thinking about, including defenses and kickers. It's a smash spot for a Dolphins defense. So that does it for the way we report. Like I said, no names on there are going to change your lineup from now until you know the end of the year. You're looking at lotto tickets. You're looking at maybe a couple of guys who might be decent spot starts now. The only guy that I think could actually be a, a, a nice spot start this week and be something all year long would be Ramondre Stevenson, which is why he would be my number one guy that I'd be looking at. But even then, you know, you know, the second Damian Harris comes back, at best, he's in a one-two punch situation. And then you have Wayne Gallman, who might be a nice spot start this week. But if the Cordell Patterson injury really is as mild as they're trying to make it out to be, then it might only be a one-week thing anyway. Other than that, it's pretty much a bunch of lotto tickets and a wait-and-see approach of guys who are interesting for one reason or another. But these moves still have to be made because you still need ways to get better. We still have bye weeks that we have to deal with all the way through week 14. So you're going to need spot starts. So keep your eye on the ball. And if your trade deadline does, in fact, end next week, fire in your questions. Make sure you're sending us at BellyUpMDFFShow on social media. Hit up our DMs. We will answer every single question we get and the ones are our favorites. We'll put on the mailbag segment on our preview shows Wednesday night and Thursday night. So make sure you take advantage of that. I know it's going to be a big week. The last chance for a lot of people to try to change up and improve their rosters heading into their championship runs. I'm Dan Mater. Enjoy the show. Make sure you follow us along on your favorite pod streaming app. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you're following us on social media at Belly of MDFF Show. We'll be back tomorrow night, usually around 9.30, but we we if we get the opportunity, we might go a little bit earlier than that. We'll keep you guys in, in touch with what we're going to do. But we're getting ready to preview those week 11s. We'll have the rankings up by the show on BillyFantasySports.com, so make sure check it out there. And you guys have a lovely day. We'll see you again soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 